wonderful message and that song out of all the things that we sometimes probably take for granted that we probably don't fully understand and never will is how much God loves us I love that he is jealous for me I know he is jealous for us I know in my life I'm not always faithful to him but even though we Go out into the world, we get into sin, we serve the devil, he never quits loving us. I don't know about you, but that's something that I look at and still to this day cannot believe that he loved us enough to die for us, to give his only son for us. I heard a man just this week that was sharing for the word of God and he said, you know, he said, I look at my two boys, I got two sons. And there's nobody that I would let them die for the things that they had done. He said, but that's what God done for us. But what a love that he has given us. You know, today I want to talk to us out of first, I mean, second Peter. I want to invite you to take your word and turn with me to the book of second Peter chapter one. And I want to talk to us from the heart of a man who was by his own words, a dying man. A man whose time of decease had come and he's writing to this group of people and he calls them to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And you know, as you look here, I want to just read it first and then I'm going to pray. But I don't know about y'all, as we look at this world and it's obviously that things must be coming <laughs> to the end. It, it, they've been saying that. But you know, I look around and I know we've been here 2,000 plus years and we can hear things that Jesus said. But anyone with any sense at all can see that this world's not getting better. It doesn't seem safer. It doesn't seem more secure. It seems more chaotic. It seems more uncertain to me every day. And I remember what Jesus said when he was asked, when are you coming? When will the kingdom come and Jesus said some things in chapter 24 of the gospel of Matthew but some of the things I want us to remind us he says that before I come he said the love of many will grow cold and lawlessness will increase then in, you look at Paul and some of the other ones and Paul said but I but know this that in the last days perilous times will come he says that at the eve of the rapture, when Jesus will bring the church home and he will begin the final big movement of God on earth, the Bible says there will be one called the Antichrist, the man of lawlessness, but before he is revealed, there will be a great falling away from the faith. I look around today and I see a lot of people falling away from the faith. I see a lot of people in church that don't exhibit what the Bible says we should exhibit. And you know, I pray and I look and I look at this and I don't know about you, but if you thought you might be sharing your final message to people who you loved, who were dear to you, who you cared about, fellow believers who you hoped would continue in their Christian faith, what are the things you would say to them? 
the things that you would leave them with to stick with Jesus. Hang on to the plow and don't look back and stay on the kingdom. I mean, what would you want them to know? What would you share with them to help them grow in their faith and stay faithful to the Lord? Because that's exactly what Peter is talking about here. If you look with me in 2 Peter, he's writing to, obviously, people of the faith, like precious faith. You say, what kind of, what is the precious faith? The faith that saves you. The faith that makes you right with God. The faith that is able to bring you into a relationship where you are no longer against God, but God is for you and with you and in you. The faith that begotten us and born us again into the kingdom of God. That's what he's talking about. And he says when you look right here in verse 10, if there's something people in here this morning need to make sure of, you better make sure your call and election is sure. That you got what you say you got. And he says in verse 10, Therefore, brethren, that means saved people, brothers and sisters in Christ, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, and I want you to see these things, let that ring in your head, because that's what I'm going to talk to us about, these things. You will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Though having an abundant entrance supplied to you into the everlasting kingdom of God may not be something high on your daily agenda, there is coming a day where that will be the most important thing out of everything that ever was and ever will be, my friend. Where you will spend your eternity. And I want to ask you, how sure of your, of your election and your call that Christ is in your life and you're a part of his kingdom? Because look at what he says. For this reason, this is where I, God got me. For this reason, Peter says, I will not be negligent to remind you always, here it is again, of these things. Though you know and are established in the present truth, but yes, I think it right as long as I am in this tent. He's talking about this temporary body that we live in. To stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must be put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. And Jesus had showed Paul, I mean Peter, that he was going to give his life just like him on a cross. And look at what he says in verse 15. But moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. I want to talk to us a little while about these things. These things that he's talking about. Father in heaven, today help us to realize that there's things, these things that are so important. The things that we need to know and understand to be prepared and Father, I know Jesus said, Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour where you do not expect. And I know most people, even in the church today, are not focused on the things that make us ready, the things that prepare us to meet the Master of all 
the great creator in God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. So today, Lord, make these things real. Help me to make them understandable and help us to have a desire to have these things in our life so that we might please you and have the hope of heaven one day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Peter knew that this letter might be his last words to those who would read it. So he reminded them of the importance of the faith and directed them to a variety of reference points of their faith that they had in Jesus Christ, their Savior and Lord. These reference points were the things, the things, these things that could help them to keep on believing and continue in the faith after his departure. Now, they wouldn't need Peter. They would have Christ and their faith to keep them going. And friends, listen to this. These things, these reference points were the things that could help them to keep them on believing and continuing in the faith. These things is what I want to talk to y'all about this morning for a little while. But I don't just want to talk to you. I hope to remind you, like Peter said, to stir up your pure minds, to point to, the, to remember these things long after my own departure. For in the end of our faith journey with Jesus, these are the things that I believe are important more than anything else that we're fixing to look at. I want you to see what Peter says. He says, for this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things. Though you already know them, but you don't think about them much. And are you established in the present truth? But yes, I think it's right, as long as I am in this tent, to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. So moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things. What are these things that are so important to Peter? Well, I want you to look up with me. He says right here, Simon Peter, a bondservant, apostle of Jesus Christ. That's the introduction. That's the beginning of the letter. And he says, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. You're saved. You're right with God. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Grace and peace, a lot of us think, God just gives to you, but he says, let them be multiplied to you. I don't know about y'all, but how many of you want grace and peace that comes from God to be multiplied into your life? Well, that's not going to happen by a casual, don't know very much about the Lord. He says that that happens by the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's not talking about you came and heard the preacher's version. He's talking about personal knowledge that you know Christ and Christ knows you and you walk with him and he walks with you. You have an active working faith that is precious amen what a precious faith that brought us to christ that brought christ to us and connected us through the gospel the death burial and resurrection of jesus and brought understanding who god is and what he wants to do and now he's actively involved in your life there's nothing more precious than that church is just dull and bored that's what's wrong with so many of us when you're not right with God. And it doesn't have to be sinful, evil things to keep you from what I'm fixing to show you. 
It can be good things. Things that most of us look at as blessings can keep you from this. But look at what he says. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ as his divine power. His divine power has given to us all things. And what are these things? All things that pertain to life and godliness. And look, here it is again. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Friends, listen. You're never going to know what all these things are that his divine power has given you access to unless you start hanging out with Jesus a whole lot more than most of us do. Unless you start seeking him and learning from him, getting in his word, not just to hear it, not just to be able to answer correctly, not just to know knowledge, but to know him, the giver of that knowledge, the one who came and lived the only life that ever lived sinless, the only life that the Father in heaven said, this is my son and who I am well pleased. Listen to him. How much do you listen to him? How much is he actively involved in your day-to-day life and your active day-to-day activities and the decisions you make? Because, friends, this is so important. He has given us divine power to all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. And then look at what he says, by which, verse 4, we have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. So what he's saying is that through this divine power, God himself, he's given us all the things that are needed that pertain to life and godliness, to live a godly life, the life God wants you to have, the kind of life that you were created to have, not the life that the devil tricks you with, to have the things that give true purpose, meaning, and fulfillment, and satisfaction to life. Have you noticed sin satisfies, but it only satisfies for the moment. As long as you're doing that sin, as long as you're involved in that sin, it might make you feel good, but the moment that sin is gone, you feel worse than before. See, God, the thing he puts in your life, it doesn't come and go. The things God puts in our life are eternal. They are powerful because they come from his divine power. And what are the most powerful thing God can do to one of us? Make his divine nature become our nature. Now, I'm not saying we're like Mormons and we become God. But I am saying if you're being used by God and you're part of God's plan for your life, you're becoming more like God every day. It's what he saved you for. That's what Jesus came. You see, we were created in the image of God, perfect. And he said it was good, but we let sin come in. And it marred what God had made. And sin has taken over and ruined God's perfect plan. But in Christ, my friend, we're being restored. Can I get an amen? We're being made new again. The old man can be crucified. And now in Christ, we can become new creatures and all things can pass away. All things become new and we become the new man, Jesus. That's the message. But friends, listen, you got to do some things with God. God ain't going to do it all because you sit on a pew and listen to a preacher. God ain't going to bless a church and send revival and grow and build a church because you 
take a casual approach to being a member of that church. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose. And the number one plan and purpose is to make everybody in here who has that like precious faith that's saved by his grace experience his divine nature being manifested in your life through his divine power, through the promises that he gives us in the word. And you don't know the promises if you ain't in the book. The promise book has promised us many things. One of my favorite verses is in Jeremiah 33, verse 3. He says, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you do not know. I hate to tell some of you, but length of time in church doesn't show it to you. You got to call to him and you got to get in his word and he'll show you so many things that we do not know. And friends, if you look right here with me, look at what he says. But also for this reason, because God has given to us through this like precious faith by saving us through the knowledge of his son Jesus, he's given to us by his divine power all the things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his glory and virtue, by which we have been given to us exceedingly great precious promises that through these, these, these you may be partakers of his divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through us. But also for this reason, he says, give all diligence. What he's saying in some translations, he says, make every effort. Make every effort to add to your faith. Now, it started with faith. They have faith. They all had that. The like precious faith. But it doesn't end with just faith in Jesus and getting saved. If all you care about in your relationship with God is I got faith, I got saved, I'm forgiven, and I'm going to heaven, I doubt if you met him. Because he says, take your faith that God gave you in the first place, that God made possible, and add to it virtue. What is virtue? Excellent morals, goodness. Take what God now has done in your life and add to it. And then he says, and take your goodness and your, your excellent morals and your, 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 your virtue and add to it knowledge. Now, guys, he's not just talking about read the Bible through once a year. You see, you can read the Bible through once a year, but if you ain't hanging out with Jesus, if you're not walking with him, if you're not letting him do with you what he wants you to do through his promise book, you can just be religious. And it's not just acquiring knowledge of what the Bible says. It's applying that knowledge into your life in a way that it brings you into a right relationship with God and it accomplishes his will. What are we to do with this knowledge? It's personal knowledge. It's knowledge that you experience in your relationship through Jesus, through the word of God. Friends, it's like, this is what he said. He says that you are to give your life as a living sacrifice, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable act of service. And you are to be transformed. You're not to be conformed to this world, but you are to be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Our most reasonable act of service back to him after what he done for us, he gave his life. Now give your life a living sacrifice. Let God have it. Lay it at the altar of Jesus and let him transform your mind. Let him take you from the world in the conformity of sinful man and let him now transform you into the life and spiritual Life of godliness in Christ Jesus. So much more than church. So much more than building things and 
doing blacktop parking lots. You see, we can build everything. We can break all of this. But if we're not these kind of people that are growing in Christ, God ain't in this. And he'll never change our community or our families. And so I want you to think about this. He says, not only do you need to acquire knowledge and understanding of the God and know Jesus personally, but look at what else he says. He says, add to your knowledge self-control. Now, here's Marvin, boy. He's he, he, self-control. You would read that, and we think it's so wonderful. It's easy to be in self-control when everything's under your control. <laughs> but how much self-control do you have when life gets out of control? When life don't go the way you thought you was going to make it go. You see, if you want to see what's in a person, squeeze him. Put some pressure on him. Give him a difficulty. It's easy to praise Jesus. Oh, Jesus, how I love Jesus. When everything's going the way you want it to go. But if you're growing in your relationship with God and all the things that pertain to life and godliness... When life is hard, that's when you really find out what you got. <laughs> and I don't have self-control. My wife will tell you, pray for her. <laughs> Perseverance, I, 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 that really just means patient endurance. Now, I do must have some of that because I keep on hanging on for some reason. I've made it this far and I ain't let go of the plow. And the only thing I can say is praise be to Jesus that he's done that to my life. But you know, you look at these and you say it starts with faith and then you add on virtue, that's moral excellence, goodness. Then you add knowledge, your personal knowing who Jesus is. Not knowing about Jesus, knowing Jesus. And then you get self-control from Christ. If there's anybody ever had self-control, it was Jesus. If you notice all these attributes or what he's saying you finally get to, if you have virtue, if you add knowledge, if you add self-control, if you stick with it and persevere, you'll finally get to godliness. I'm here to tell you, if you ain't in the word, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing come by the word, you're never going to have faith to have moral excellence. And you're never going to have moral excellence just by having knowledge of the right and wrong, the rules. You're only going to acquire the ability to have moral excellence added to your life when you walk with Jesus and Jesus walks in and through you. He has to do it. And then as that knowledge of how Christ works and what he can do and the, the abilities that he gives you through these divine powers that he's given to us that pertain to life and godliness and how he now is producing his divine nature in you, godliness. So as godliness begins to evolve and make itself real in your life, you finally get to the place where the Baptist church and the most everyone I know lacks. You finally get to where you know how to be brotherly kind to one another. That's what he says. And add to your godliness brotherly kindness. What does that mean? It means mutual affection. It means treat everybody else like they were your family. And then the last one of all, and this is what I hear from everybody, I just tell myself, I just love everybody. No, you don't. He says the last one on the list is love. You know why? The love he's talking about ain't the kind of love we have. We have corrupted love. We have, war we have made love into something that it's not. 
He's not talking about our understanding of love. He's talking about his understanding of love. He's talking about an unconditional love, a love that is so unconditional that when people hurt him, when people do something wrong for him, even though he's jealous for us, he loves us anyway, like that song says. If there's one thing I can promise you does not change, it's God's love for us. That's an unbelievable love. It's a love that is not based on what we do. It's a love that is based upon who and what he is. He is love. And friends, that love is available to us. But you've got to go through the steps of growth. You've got to add these things to your life. Now, you may say, well, that's optional. I'm going to heaven. But you'll drive everybody else crazy down here <laughs> until God finally does answer our prayer and take you home. You ever prayed this David prayers? God, I've talked to them. I've done everything. I've prayed. They won't change. Just take them, or Lord, better yet, take me. Take me home, Lord. I don't know about you, but I'm not afraid of my departure. In fact, I'm looking forward to it. I don't want to do this for 15, 20 more years. I can promise you right now, I'd rather depart the day well than to live 20 years more and depart bad. I'd rather depart with the faith instead of down the road fail. I say all the time, Lord, if I can't do no better, take me home. The longer I live, the more I can see the value of a good death. <laughs> a good death is a blessing of God. A death that honors the Lord, that that, that brings glory and blessings to people. You say, how does death do that? It does if you think about it. But I want you to look at what he says after he gives you this list of these things. That's the things he's primarily talking about. All these things that add up, to, that pertain to life and godliness. Look at what Peter says in verse 8. For if these things, here it is again, if these things are yours, these things that he say pertain to life and godliness, that comes from knowledge of Jesus, knowing him, and letting him help you to add these things we just looked at in our life. For if these things are yours and abound in you, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful. Here it is again in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. What he's saying is, if you allow God to help you and grace works in you, and you add to your faith moral excellence, virtue, and you add to your virtue knowledge, and you add to your knowledge, self-control. And you work with God and you seek God and you let God help you to add to your self-control, persevering endurance and you become patient. Godliness will begin to become part of your life. The divine nature becomes a reality in you. And then you're able to show true brotherly kindness to others. Then you're able to love the way God wants us to love. But he says if these things are yours and they abound, that means they're abundant, they're plentiful, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful. Friends, to be barren means to be ineffective. To be unfruitful means to be unproductive. Do you notice how many people in the church and how bad the church is ineffective today? You know why? Because it's barren. Do you notice how unfruitful the church is and how unproductive the church is? Because you can't produce godliness. You can't win souls. You can't disciple people and change people because you go to church and you're a good person based on other people. God only changes the world with godly people. 
people who are, not that we're perfect, not that we're all in a growth thing, but this ain't even on the most Baptist's horizon. This ain't even in our agenda. We're more worried about if the preacher hurts your feelings or not. It's amazing. You can preach sermons for five years and everyone say, oh, we love your preaching. And then you preach one they don't like and they leave. You don't have to swallow that. <laughs> but you know what? I finally came to the conclusion this week. God said, I ain't here to make you fill a church. Well, you ain't here. And you ain't here to make people like that place. You're here to preach my word. If they don't like my word, that's because they don't like me. And if you preach my word and they don't like you, it ain't you, it's me and them. So I'm here to tell you, my friend, if these things aren't in your life, if not abundant, you're not going to be fruitful. You're not going to be productive. You're not going to be ready to stand before God and hear, good, well, and done, my faithful servant. Because look at what he says here. For he who lacks these things, if these things lack in your life, he said you're short-sighted. Short-sighted means you can't see past the end of your nose. You ever met people like that? They don't see the big picture. They don't see the whole church. All they see is themselves. Church ain't about us, and it ain't about God, and it sure ain't about the king. It's about them, them. This is what I want to do in church. This is how I feel about church. This is what I want at church. That's a short-sighted person. He's blind to the things of God because God is not only bigger than this church, he's bigger than America, he's bigger than this world, he's the creator of the whole universe, my friend, and he holds it all together by his word. And we get to serve him. We get to one day go live with him. And we sit around here worrying about temporal things that mean nothing in the end. He says if these things lack in your life, you're short-sighted even to blindness and you have forgotten that you was even saved and cleansed from your sins. Man, just the fact that we got saved ought to never leave our thought process. Man, I was going to hell. I was condemned. I was going to live eternity in a place of suffering, a place of condemnation, and worst of all, a place without God. But by the grace of God, he helped me one day to have understanding, knowledge of Jesus, and he gave me the precious faith to save me. And he's changed me, and my eyes have been opened. I'm no longer blind. I may not see everything that I could see, but I see more than I used to see. Can I get an amen? I once was blind, but now I see. Can I get an amen? And though I know there's so much more to know and so much more to see, I thank God I see more than I used to see. And God is in my life. He saved me. And now instead of going to that place of condemnation, I'm going to a place of exaltation, a place of rest, a place of glory, a place of joy, a place where we will stand and see the presence of our Creator and our God forever. That ought to make you happy no matter what happens in the church. But what we do, we trade that in eternal things for temporal things. And I am the world's worst. I'm preaching to Mark. I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching with you, they say. But he says if you lack these things, you're short-sighted even to blindness. Therefore, look at verse 10, brethren, be even more diligent. Try harder. Work harder. Do all you can to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, notice, he did not say if you believe these things. 
us Baptists hate works. We saved by grace, not works. Once saved, always saved. <laughs> you are saved by grace through faith. That's what it says. And friends, listen to this. Faith without works, James says, is dead. True faith is going to have works. That works doesn't save you, but it's an evidence. It's a truth. It's a testimony that faith has come into your life. And friends, listen. He says, if you do these things, if you do these things, you will never stumble. Now, I keep stumbling, so I must not be doing everything. Amen. But you know what I find? He keeps getting us up. When you admit you stumbled. But some people are too prideful to admit they stumbled, so they blame it on other people. So they just keep stumbling. They keep not growing. They stay cornal. They stay right where they are. Some has never progressed past faith. Some thinks they got all these good morals they're so proud of. But if you talk to them, they don't have no knowledge of the Bible. They can't even share the gospel. They don't have no testimony. They can't even go tell what God's doing in their life. Now, I'm not here to hurt your feelings, but I am here to bring you into the reality of where we are. We're not going to survive if the world stays on the path I believe it's headed on with an usual church connection to Jesus. You know the people that's going to hang on to the end? or the people who are hanging on to God right now. If you ain't hanging on to God with everything you got today, you probably won't be hanging on him with what's on the horizon if things keep on the path they're going. If you think elections is going to fix it, I hope you're right, but I doubt you are. If you think man is going to change it, man has not showed me much to trust in. You see, what I've come to find is the only way this can be reality in my life is not from just me trying to do it by go to church and do good see I know to be morally I know to increase knowledge read my Bible every day pray every day I know to try to be more self-control but you see knowing about it and trying to do it have you figured out it doesn't work it doesn't come by just knowing it comes through him you can know it all but if you ain't a real praying person, if you don't really spend time with God, and if God doesn't have access to you on a daily basis, none of this will ever become a reality in your life. You'll just be religious. You can go to such church. You can go to heaven religious. I believe that. But we can't help others to be saved when we're just religious. Religious people quit what they commit to. Religious people take the easy way. They do the bare minimum to get by, to stay up to the standard. People hungry for God, they seek God. They want God. And I want you to think about this. He says that if we have the knowledge of Jesus, this stuff can happen to us. Knowledge. Have you noticed yet that the Bible speaks about how do you get God in your life? It doesn't happen by just coming on Sunday and then being like everybody else. God has not changed, even though the world has. Would y'all agree that the world is a different world than it was 50 years ago, than it was 100 years ago? It's, it, it's, it's just what the Bible says. Daniel said in the last days that 
we would run to and fro and knowledge would increase. Look around, we're running to and fro, to and fro. Knowledge has increased. It's give you access to a cell phone. It's give you access to them televisions. It's give you access to a smorgasbord of information just flying everywhere. And it's give you a car. You can jump in your car and go anywhere you want. If I wanted to tonight, I could get in the car and I could drive Diane and we could go see grandkids six hours away and be there in time to eat supper with them after church. We run it to and fro. And we got noise everywhere you listen to. But that noise ain't coming from God. You see, when I look at what God says, God says, if you want to know, with me, know me, if you want me to be hanging out with you, be still for a little while and know that I am God. That's the word. That's the psalmist in 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. When's the last time you got still and you got quiet and you just sat? You see, we hate quietness. I started to, to, to just start this sermon this morning and read. I'm going to do this one Sunday. This morning we're going to preach. Be still and know that I am God. All right. Turn the lights out. Everybody be quiet. Some of you couldn't make five minutes. Want to try it? Shut your eyes. Let's just be still for five minutes. Scaring some of you to death. Because you ain't been still in five minutes your whole entire stinking life because you're an American. When's the last time you just got alone in a quiet place with no disruptions, with no TV, with no background and said, God, I've come to sit with you to be still so you can help me. Because the Bible, my Bible reads that we are to wait on the Lord. Friends, we are so in a hurry. We got quick drive-through service for our food. We got microwaves. We got fast internet. We don't want to wait on nothing. And that has crept into our relationship with God. And we ain't, can't remember the last time I got so serious with God, I waited on God. People have been telling me, why didn't you answer the phone? I've been calling you because I needed to hear from God. And I hate to tell you, but you ain't God. I didn't need your opinion, though I love you, though I'm thankful that some of you care. There come some things in life that no one can answer, that no one can give you information for but Him, and you can't get it on the radio, you can't get it from television, you can't get it from your loved ones, you've got to get it from God, and sometimes God don't get in a hurry. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, you got to meditate. David said, oh, how I love the law. It's my meditation all day. How often do you meditate on the things of God? And then we wonder why this ain't happening in our life. Yeah, you got to add. Yeah, you got to try. But you'll never succeed without Jesus. You got to do it with Jesus, not for Jesus. And you know, the biggest hindrance to me from finding my still quiet place, from finding a place where I can wait on the Lord, it's not the world. It's not the devil, though he's always hindered. You know what it is? It's here. It's ministry. It's preaching. It's trying to keep all y'all doing what y'all think ought to do. Taking care of the stuff we think are important. I'm not here to belittle a blacktop parking lot if we need it. It's a big deal. I'm not here to Think if we outgrow out there, we ought to move out here. Some of you, I know you ain't never liked growing out, coming out here. Well, you need to get over it because we're out here. 
You need to join the team. Be one of us. And then some of you sit here and you don't know what it's like to have to do what all it takes to get things going. I thank God for everybody here. But I want to ask a question. How many of you here has taken a responsibility, a position in the house of God? And yes, it's a blessing. It's a privilege. Nothing better than serving God. But all of a sudden, you got to thinking, where's God? You see what happens when we dump it all on a few? We wear out our best people. It's coming. That little girl back there named Jessica is going to burn out very soon if people don't start stepping up and helping all share the load. Watch what happens. They come, they're on fire, they start doing it. But friends, I'm going to tell you something. If you don't have a place and a time to be still with God, to have His ear and to let Him speak into your life and be quiet, you won't last long doing spiritual things because you can't do them in the power of your flesh. That's what's wrong with religion today. We got good intentions. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And why the devil wears us out, why we get tired, why we get frustrated, is I promise you when a person consistently does not reflect these things that God showed us through this lesson, you don't see faith being activated in that life. They don't change. They don't grow. They don't care about increasing their knowledge. What their morals are has been that way. It will never change. They're not about worrying about acquiring more knowledge, godliness. Here I am. This is what I am. Friends, listen. There's more to this than church. God has so much more that he wants and can do. And I know most people, this is, and that's why the churches keep doing what they're doing. I know you work, and I know you're busy, and I'm going to quit after this. I ain't got time to have time with God like you, preacher. I ain't got time to be still. I ain't got time to, on a regular basis, make an appointment with God. How many of you here go to the doctor all the time? I know you do. You might as well hold your hand up. I'll watch you. Y'all wouldn't miss a doctor's appointment. You, you'll miss everything to get to that doctor's appointment. How many of you got a favorite TV show you watch every week? What's it come on? Netflix or whatever y'all call that junk now. You can correlate your whole life week by week to sit in front of that television at that same time, at that same day, to listen to that same garbage, but you can't find time to spend with God. How many of you got your kids in every hobby? You bring them to everything the world offers, but you ain't got time to bring them to God. Friends, you do what you want to do. You add to your life what you want to add. How many of you want to add the Bible and its wisdom into your life? You've got to add time to read the Bible. I don't have time. How many of you miss breakfast? Now, don't lie. Y'all break, y'all break, I look at y'all. Y'all eating somewhere. If there's one thing we're going to miss out on, it ain't eating. But we'll miss out on nourishment of spiritual food. And I know y'all like sharing your opinions and telling people what we ought to do and how we ought to do it. But how often do you spend telling God all this stuff? How often do you share God your concerns and your worries? compared to how much you share with one another. How much do you listen to God and get in his word and listen to good things and righteous things compared to what you listen to on 
CNN and all that mess. I heard CNN's going out of business. Is that true? Prayer be answered. But all kidding aside, we have as much of God this morning as we want. Because this is the truth. Peter said, I'm going to leave one day, and when I leave, I hope you never forget this, that the precious faith that you have, like us, that comes through knowledge in Jesus, has provided you, has given you, through his, listen to this, his power. Everything, all things that pertain to life and godliness. And through his promises, not one promise, promises, you can be a partaker of his divine nature, which means you can be godly, you can be Christ-like, you can be different. Friends, that's what God changes the world with. If someone comes here for the first time, they don't realize the history of how we got back here. They don't know what all got. This is just another room, another building to a lost person out of the world. That parking lot's just, it's no different than the parking lot at Walmart. It's no different than the parking lot at the doctor's office. It's a parking lot. Now, we know, we give God glory for how he's working and doing. But friends, let me tell you what blows the world's mind. People who are like God. People who ain't like them. And this is the craziest quote. I love it. It comes from Andrew Murray. The more we become not like the world, the less we are like the world, the more the world is attracted to us. The more we like them, the more we act like them, the more we're no different than them, the more they hate us. But the more they look at us and they say, man, he's a godly person. He's a loving person. He's filled with wisdom and he's wise and he's got a life that I can't explain. They're attracted to that. And so we got it backwards. I didn't go to preach this long, but I'm sorry. No, I'm not. (laughs) You know what? This ain't about us. It's about him. And it ain't about you or it ain't about me. It's about all of us being rightly connected with him. And he's got a plan. And I'm going to share the best one of all. If you ain't saved today, he'll save you. He'll give you that like precious faith. If you just have knowledge enough to know that Jesus died for you and you understand you're a sinner and you helped cause that through your sins and you'll confess that and you're willing to repent and turn to Jesus this morning, just like you've been doing all those other things publicly, today come publicly to Jesus. And say, I'm coming to you, Jesus. Will you save me? He'll save you. If you'll just confess him. And friends, for those of us who are saved, some of us, I know it's hard. I got strongholds. I got weaknesses. Lord knows I'm a fragile, messed up, accident waiting to happen. But he's got grace that can change any life. And he's patient with you. And he's kind with you. And he's willing with you to help you. But you got to... Make your own choice. Today I'm asking you to add whatever you need to add to your life. Come to Jesus if you've never come. Jonathan, I want you to just get up this morning and play something. Miss Karen, you can get up there with him on the piano. And I'm going to ask you as I bow my head. He said, if these things are abundant in your life, if they're abundant of these things, you'll be neither unfruitful nor barren. He says, but if these things are lacking, 
He didn't say you'll become. He said you'll be short-sighted even to blindness. He said, so make your call and your election sure. Or these things in your life, because that's what prepares us and gives us the assurance that we're ready to have that abundantly merciful reception in heaven today. Do you want to meet Jesus the way you are? I don't. I want to be better than I was. I want more of Jesus and less of me every day. How about you? So I'm going to ask you, what do you need to do today? If you need to be saved, I'm going to ask you to come and publicly give your life to Jesus. Maybe you need to come to this altar. But I'm going to tell you one thing. I know Jesus don't want any of us to leave like we came because he's got more for us and he'll do more for us if we'll give it to him. So as we stand and I pray, Father in heaven, I want to thank you for Peter, for a man who shared these things through the word of God so that thousands of years later we could still look at them and learn how to know and be ready to see you. Lord, I know there's a lost person in our midst. I know there's people here that they come to church, but they just come and go home. Nothing changes. Their life's the same. Their home life's the same. Nothing is progressing. Faith is not making a difference. Godliness is not becoming a true part of their life. And Lord, today, that can change if they're willing to trust you. So Lord, help us to repent. Help us to recommit. Help us to focus on the things, these things that matter and get rid of these things that don't and make you the thing above all things in our life. Jesus, we love you and we thank you for loving us and I just trust you now to do what only you can do. Change our lives, Father. Just be Jesus in us and we'll thank you and praise you for it in Christ's name. Amen. Do you want Jesus? He's here. He wants.